Welcome to the podcast, um, Jeremy Nunez. Welcome. What's your passion? Well, uh, I think you got it right out of the gate. Stand up comedy, my friend. Oh, now that is such a tricky thing to do. How on earth did you get into that? <laughs> well, uh, it was something I'd always wanted to do. It was just a matter of uh, finally having the nerve to get in front of people and say, everybody else be quiet. I'm going to be funny now. <laughs> And uh, having uh, the people pay attention and listen to you. Um, so that's how it all started. My family actually owns, um, I don't know if the same term in, uh, in the UK, a trailer park. Do you have a trailer parks in, in the UK? Yes, I think so. Okay. <laughs> you think so? Uh, so in the UK, I'm sorry, in, in uh, the US, uh, my family owns a trailer park. And uh, it's kind of customary that in any family business, the father passes the business on to his son. So he wanted me to take over the trailer park empire. And instead, I said, I would rather make tens of dollars doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> and here I am. Yeah. And you, you've just released um, in the last year or so a stand-up special on Amazon Prime that people can go and look at and your your comedy you're what they call a clean comedian um how difficult is it to be clean <laughs> well for a lot of people it's quite difficult uh for me not so much because it's generally how i talk in the first place um unless my little kids are getting out of line then i might not be so clean and i regret it later <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, your your family feature a lot in your stand up, and I always wonder this with stand ups. What do their fam? What do your family think of you including um, some things that are happening in their lives in your stand up in front of sometimes hundreds, if not thousands, of people? <laughs> well, um, my wife has generally been pretty cool about it. Uh, if there's anything that might be questionable, if she's okay with. I usually run it past her first. Uh, and then if she says no, you know, of course I'll still do it, but, <laughs> but, uh, my dad has always been great about it. My two little ones, they're still too little to kind of, to recognize what's happening yet, but I'm sure, especially when they're teenagers, they're going to have a big problem with it. <laughs> well, I mean, at the moment you're, you're fine. You can say whatever, but, uh, you do have the problem when you're in the media, whatever that may be, that you are putting it down onto tape or video so they can watch it later. <laughs> That's true. It is forever. Uh, so I'd never really thought of it that way. So like you mentioned the, uh, the comedy special on Amazon, uh, it is, I guess it's going to be there forever. So who knows, my, my kid may get picked on someday because I did a stand-up special. <laughs> well, fingers crossed that it stays there because people should go and look at it. I, I watched it recently and I was very impressed. Um, you weren't a comedian that I was particularly familiar with, but your style of delivery is quite staggered at times. You, you leave gaps. You know the power of the pause. Well, thank you. You know, I, uh, I came up through the second city, if you're familiar with that, sort of a big... Uh, kind of a comedy mecca in Chicago with a lot of, you know, prominent comedians have made their way through. And I, I guess I kind of 
develop that style there. I call it front porch comedy, where it's kind of uh, the more paused and relaxed type of conversation you would have on your front porch. And so I've kind of since translated that to the stage, and uh, and here we are. I guess it's working. Yeah. How I mean, um, how big a crowd are you currently playing to? Uh, currently zero because mm-hmm. of the corona. <laughs> um, now, pre-corona, uh, I was at the point where I was kind of working my way into smaller theaters that see, you know, 200, 300 people. Uh, we're really getting some momentum. Everything was going great. Uh, every single week I was lined up and doing shows and, and uh, finally making money and all the dues I had paid were finally paying off. And then somebody coughed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's, uh, that's kind of where we've been now. We're kind of stuck. But two to three hundred people, if not more, that's a big front porch. <laughs> yeah, you probably get the cops called on you. I think. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Is, is it true? I know that a lot of um, comedians they they talk about their real life. It's observational. That's the kind of humor that you do. Is it true that you were really a mayor? It is. Um, I got elected. Uh, true story. Got elected um, on a Tuesday. The same week, that Saturday, I was to marry my wife. So she knew going into this that on our wedding day, I was either going to be really excited or really mad. <laughs> and I told her, don't worry, I'll be mad regardless. <laughs> Goodness. I mean, that was uh, it was something that, that surprised me, actually. And I wasn't sure whether it was you know, something you might have invented or whether it was completely true, and it sounds like it, it is. Yeah, 100% true. Um, actually, I, I had enough success that um, uh, we had an opening in our United States Congress, similar to your parliament, and uh, the the political bigwig powers that be were uh, were vetting me, as they say, to, to take that seat. And uh, um, eventually, I think, a little more money was snuck under the table to somebody else. That's how it works, you know. So, uh, but yeah, so I finished out my mayoral term and then uh, from there just focused on comedy. But as you mentioned, yes, yeah, so many people don't actually believe it until they hear the stories. And then the, some of the stories are so outrageous. They even say, oh, there's no way. There's no way. Like, yeah, that happened. Absolutely, completely true. And you, you mentioned COVID, and it's a massive thing at the moment. It's affecting people all over the world in whatever arts industry you happen to be in. What have you been doing um, during this time when you're not able to perform in front of people? Well, um, since the Amazon Prime special has come out, I've been working really hard with all this downtime to develop a new show altogether. So uh, I've been doing a lot of writing because... When things get back to normal, uh, my hope is to have a brand new uh, hour-long show that no one has seen before because, as I am hoping, that the Amazon special will you know, draw new fans and new supporters to me. And I don't want those same people then come see me to uh, pay their own money to see me. And then I'm doing the same exact jokes they just saw on TV. You know? So uh, I've been working hard to write. Um, I'm working on a book. Uh, I've got a publisher for that, and uh, so we're we're moving things along. Uh, we're doing a little bit of uh, online shows, which are a little unusual. It seems 
seems a little dirty almost to say, uh, yeah, if, if people come watch me in their private room, <laughs> they'll have a good time. <laughs> and mostly all off the back of this Amazon um, special that you've got out there. How hard was it to get it up on the platform? You know, um, so how it works, mm -hmm. if you're not a gigantic name, is you essentially have to fund the special yourself. So I had to pay, uh, you know, to get the production crew there, to get the editors, you know, camera people, everybody. Uh, luckily, uh, the venue let me have the, the venue for free. Um, but so you have to pay everything up front, all the costs, and hope that someone will purchase the rights to it. So, um, you know, my wife was a little nervous about that. She's like, well, if nobody buys it, we're just going to have a really expensive home movie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what our wedding video is. <laughs> but but uh, so uh, we pitched it. And then, yeah, I've got uh, uh, Amazon Prime picked it up. And uh, they were nice enough. So the show is clean enough that it can even be on a Christian platform. So there's a, another platform. If you don't want to throw your money toward Amazon, a Christian platform called ChristianCinema.com uh, also has the special on there. Yeah, I was seeing in the in, – I mean, it might have something to do with the fact also it appears from the credits that you actually filmed it in a church. Right. Um and it's interesting you didn't recognize that, that it really looks like a theater. Would you agree? Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. So um, we we did some location scouting. And then that church, um, I had actually performed in that church previously, maybe two years prior. Uh, so they knew who I was. We did not do or say anything that would you know bring shame to the church. Uh, and as you mentioned, it's a clean show. So they didn't have anything to worry about as far as me dropping any four-letter words or anything like that. And um uh, they were very gracious. They had an army of volunteers help with so much. And um, uh, it was fantastic. They even helped. The background is super cool looking. Um, I don't know if you paid much attention to that, but they even put that up specifically for me. Um, and you, you can't do stuff like this without good people helping you along the way. Well, it, it looks fantastic. And one thing I notice, I mean, the thing is, whenever you see a comedy show, you always look around and you say you look at the background um, and then you pretty much zone out. You're watching the comedian. But if they've got a prop on the stage, you're always there wondering, when is that prop going to come into it? And your, your <laughs> prop is the acoustic guitar that is by the side there. And I kept wondering, when is this going to um, when is this going to come into play? And my question to you is, how, um, how often do you play the guitar in your act? And is, was there more than what we saw? Uh, there was not more than what you saw. Right. Um, I didn't cut out any songs or anything. The, <laughs> what's funny about the guitar is most of the time I'm kind of gauging by the audience's reactions, whether or not to use the guitar in the first place. So it's very common for that guitar to sit there the entire show and me not even touch it. And people just sit there like, what's, what's it going to you? And then eventually, thank you. Good night, everybody. And people are like, what? He didn't even, he didn't touch a guitar. But uh, I'm with you. I do think it kind of helps with the intrigue that the audience is constantly staying focused because they're like, when's that thing going to get used? Yeah. And it's, it's minimal. It's only like a few minutes, isn't it? And then you're sort of telling jokes with it. Right. Um, 
I'm trying to recall. I think I did the small town campaign ad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then do you have in the UK, the, I did the song about the small town gangsters. Do you have a small town gangsters there in the UK? Possibly. <laughs> so that is the, uh, the guys that pretend they're gangsters, uh, but are not, they're like, uh, you know, just the small town kids who, for some reason think they're, they're, uh, uh, bad street kids from, from the inner city. And so I have a song about that too, as you mentioned that, uh, that's actually one of my most downloaded tracks on iTunes. Also, people love that song. Oh, it is. So you've got albums on iTunes as well. Have you? Yeah. So I've got, uh, uh, let's see. So the audio of this special is my fifth album. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's two or three still on iTunes. I think my earliest one or two have since been pulled. Ah, I see. So people can go and check that out on on iTunes and possibly other um, places to get audio as well. Now, one thing I I noticed, and I said to you before this chat, that um, I wouldn't give you any questions because I know that you're quite good at improvisation. And I noticed in the special, um, certainly in some other bits and pieces I've seen, you do communicate with the audience quite a lot. Well, I prefer to. I think audiences like that too. Uh, I call it walking the high wire. Uh, you know, because generally when a comedian's performing, they have a a rough idea of what they're going to talk about. But I think uh, for me, it brings something different. And I think for the audience, uh, similar to the prop, you're watching to see what happens next. When you just throw the script out the window and talk to the guy in the first row who's you know, whose shirt slipped up over his belly and his guts hanging out and you could kind of point it out and see what happens. I think people love that. So I try to have as much fun as, as I can. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that you should um, give an example there based on appearance, because one of your things is the fact that you're about six foot six tall. Right, right. So, uh, uh, as I mentioned in the show, everybody always asks me if I play basketball, you know, <laughs> And I always say, no, you know, nobody asks a short guy like, Hey, uh, are you a jockey <laughs> or, or nobody asks like an overweight guy. Hey, uh, is there a buffet around here? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I mean, it, it, it is true, isn't it? Because you know, um, the basketball thing, certainly. Oh, all the time. You know, especially from a small town, if you're, if you're over six feet tall, it's like automatic. You have to be on the basketball team. Uh, we have a theory around here. We've got a, a town where all the high school boys are at least six six. We think they're putting something in the water. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know that um, you, you mentioned in the show. I won't give away too much of the material. Don't worry. But uh, that your um, one of one of your children um, said that they weren't going to eat too much because they, you know, they wanted to have just about enough because you were freak tall. <laughs> yeah I, I said don't you want to be big and tall like daddy he said well i want to be tall but dad you're freak tall <laughs> so i ate just the right amount <laughs> he's always got something to say uh i don't recall if i said this in the in the special or not but one of the stories i like to tell is i was in the uh in the bathroom putting lotion on my face and he's kind of as little kids do he's kind of watching and uh he's like why do you do that I said, well, I, I guess it helps my face look nice. And he goes, I don't think it's working. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, uh, that's, that, that's, very, that's very funny. Kids do say the funniest things. Do, do you ever sit there with a, with a pen and paper and just write all this stuff down? 
I I try to write down especially the stuff when he's talking back to me. Mm-hmm. So and get ready, it'll it'll be in your house before you know it, Jamie. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, he's <laughs> one day he's like, uh, we're like we're gonna put you in your room. You'll be in timeout. And he's like, well, I'll push you in the closet and lock you in there. And I was like, no, you won't. And he's like, yeah, you'll be locked in there. And there's a mousetrap in there. And you'll snap your toe on it, and then you'll be crying, and, then, and it just gets on and on and on. Uh, it's never ending. I'm telling you. I know. I think it's that it's that sense that kids have where they're not afraid of anything, so they just say whatever, regardless of the consequences. I mean, um, you mentioned obviously you're in the U.S. I'm in the U.K. Have you ever been over here to do any shows? No, uh, right when the special came out, I got a couple nibbles, uh, as far, I should say when the, when word of the special happened, uh, I was getting some nibbles. Um, and then of course, you know, here comes COVID again. So, uh, I got my passport. I didn't have one before, got the passport ready to roll. And then, you know, sure enough, somebody coughed and, uh, <laughs> and we're stuck. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that you do get to come over here because i think that um, many people would appreciate your clean um brand of of humor because there is a there there's a lot of talk certainly about um comedians who will use expletives and stuff but i find that the, the clean comedy can be a little bit cleverer in some ways yeah i do think that uh i do think it's more difficult to do that doesn't mean uh, I don't laugh at dirtier comedians. I do find a lot of them funny also. But um, this is my style. And, and as you mentioned, there there is a whole segment of people who really appreciate the cleaner side of things. And uh, to be in the minority as the only, you know, the only person really in the, it seems like the whole general section of the country I'm in, to do clean comedy has, has really paid off for me. Well, um, you know, I, I do wish you the, the best of luck with it because that special um you know i will probably watch it again at some point and i i wish you the best of luck with writing that new show i mean how far do you think you are into writing that show um i would estimate i've got somewhere around 40 or 45 minutes right now um mm-hmm. and, and with with uh no uh, no normalcy on the horizon. <laughs> I do feel like I'll probably have that knocked out uh, before long. Uh, and then it's just a matter of kind of honing and tweaking and, and sort of finalizing everything. So I, I'll definitely be ready when the time comes. Well, do, do you find that maybe you'll write something down and then it will date really quickly? Uh, yes. So, uh, and this is something I picked up at the Second City. So your intention then is to... Um, to write something that won't be dated. So if you find something specific about, um, if, like, well, for coronavirus, let, let's say, uh, chances, I sure hope, chances are that coronavirus is not going to be a topic a year from now. You know what I mean? So what you find funny about it, you need to kind of tweak that and make it its own, uh, make it instead of about corona, make it about, the flu, for example, because the flu is going to be around, you know, forever. But uh, so that's sort of the thing. You try to try to write things that aren't going to just be outdated in time, and a, a little bit more um, universal 
as well. And um, well, one of the last questions here, I, I wanted to ask you, how do you manage to remember all of that material? What's your process for remembering everything? You know, that was one of the biggest concerns I had because um, I hear it's different in the UK, but in the US, um, generally, um, the worst comedian on the show goes first. Uh, and then the, it works its way to the best comedian last. Is it the opposite in the UK? I hear that. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't no. been to a, a comedy club recently, so I, I wouldn't be able to say. But so generally in the US, so you know, kind of the newest, most inexperienced comedian is first. And he does about five minutes, maybe 10. And then they have a middle act who's kind of a guy who's he's he's been around a little bit, but he's not yet the true pro. And that guy does about 30 and then is what they call the headliner. And then that guy does about 45 minutes to an hour. So as you kind of build your way up, you're still building a material as you go. So uh, that's kind of how it's it's all up in, in my brain. But it still impresses my wife because she says I forget everything I tell her. <laughs> yeah, well, priorities, I suppose. <laughs> sure. I said, honey, you haven't paid me to do anything. <laughs> In, in terms of that, I mean, you don't have to tell me any particular payment details, but how long was it until you received payment? How In what ballpark? Because you started about 17 years ago. Um, how how long was it before you started to see some return? Um, it took about a year before I started making the, the really small money, you know, where they give you maybe $20 for the show and then maybe $50. And then maybe a hundred dollars. Um, so I, I st would say I was probably in, even in the hundred dollar a show range, probably five years in. Uh, it, it's just a, a long, long process. Now the, do we have time? Can I tell a story? You can tell a story. Okay. So this is the first show I ever got paid at. Okay. <clears throat> so mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned earlier, when you first start, uh, you really only have about five minutes. And most people know if a comedian recognizes the topic's not working or the people don't like the topic, he just switches the topic. When you're brand new, you've got nothing to switch to. You just <laughs> you have your five minutes and that's it. And so um, I'm performing at this place. It's a, uh, a pizza restaurant slash bar, tavern, pub, whatever you want to call it. Okay. And they have chicken wire in front of the stage, like the old Blues Brothers movie. They got chicken wire. For, okay. And so... At the time, there was a, a fast food restaurant. I want to say it was KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, who was selling half-gallon jugs of fountain soda. So I had this story. I don't even remember what joke I was trying to tell, but I said something like, uh, I don't even think truckers drink that much. And this guy stands up in the back and goes, Don't be making fun of the truckers! <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I, I'm not. I'm just trying to illustrate I don't even think truckers drink that much. And he stands up again. I said, don't make fun of truckers. <laughs> so his buddy kind of grabs him and settles him down. He's like, we're sorry. He just got off the road. And I was like, don't worry. Don't worry. I don't even think truckers. <laughs> would do it. And he's like, that's it. And he takes a, a, bot, a beer bottle and wings it at me. Well, of course, it hits the chicken wire, falls down. Well, now 
all these truck and just like an audience of truckers are all mad and they're throwing stuff at me and they're like, get him. So now, meanwhile, I had prearranged this long, long time ago. I had prearranged with my friend who was there with me. If things went crazy, he had my car keys. So he was to pull the car around the back so we could escape because we thought that's how comedy worked. (laughs) So I run through the back. There was a side door next to the stage. I run through the back. Which happens, I have to run through the kitchen. As I run through the kitchen, I fall and hit this big pot of pizza sauce. So now I have red fluid all over me. I get to the back door. The manager of the, the pub is yelling, stop, wait, stop. And I'm like, no way. I keep running. I get to the, to the alley. I look. I see my friend coming in, in my car. He sees me with the red sauce all over he thinks it's blood and he he's like they stabbed you they stabbed you (laughs) so i jump in the car and the manager's like wait wait i still got to pay your ten (laughs) dollars so it gives me the ten dollars and i look back and here is this giant mob of truckers running down the alley after us I, i call it the boston fleet party and, they, and so they all run after us. We peel off, uh, and I never looked back. Got paid ever since. <laughs> oh goodness! I mean, you, you've certainly come uh, a long way since then. When was the last time you made a joke about truckers? <laughs> that night. <laughs> it's all trial and error, isn't it? When you're trying to think up um, material. Sure. Well, and then what I was trying to illustrate that night was I'm not making fun of truckers. I'm just trying to say truckers don't like to stop. So they they drink large amounts of fluid, so they they have big jugs of fluid because they don't want to stop. Truckers feed the country, I understand, and it, it it didn't matter. They weren't having it. No, well, audiences are a little bit more receptive these days. And if people want to check out um, Jeremy's special, they can check out Who's With Me on Amazon. It's available on prime and uh, if you're in certain parts of the world i believe you can also get a dvd version if you'd like to keep it forever um but jeremy um if people wanted to find out more about you where would they need to go uh they just go to my website which is my name jeremy nunez.com n-u-n-e-s uh and then you can find me uh facebook twitter all that stuff i got on twitter early enough that my twitter is my name at jeremy nunez uh, and also, as you mentioned, the Amazon special there, at this rate, uh, last I looked, there are 10 reviews, nine five stars, and one four stars. So there, there is one Simon Cowell out there. <laughs> when, when everybody else said, it's great. I love it. Fantastic. One guy was like, mm, good, not great. <laughs> so, so yeah, Jamie, if you have not reviewed it, please take a moment to do that. Oh, I, I will do as well. And if anybody else has seen it, I would say, yeah, go and review it. And um, I, I would like to say thank you so much for joining me on this episode of The Week Before. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. You've just heard The Week Before with Jamie Dyer, featuring this week's special guest. If you'd like to be a future guest on the show, please email theweekbefore at outlook.com. This has been a Southwaves Audio production. Thank you for listening.